2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says this, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Smarge, small jar of olive oil. Can you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for the praise. Father, I thank you, God, that you are going to deliver through your Holy Spirit the word that you are desiring to minister to this people. God, hide me behind your cross and let your words be heard through the speaking of these lips, Father. God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So we find in our scripture, the widow is in a place where her sons are getting ready to be taken as payment for a debt that she could not pay. And we're going, and that just leads me to, to Wednesday night when we talk about, in our marriage class, uh, Money Matters. We're going to talk about budgeting. But anyway. She, she, she's in a place where her husband has died, the creditors are coming to take the boys for payment. And she runs to the prophet Elisha to tell him and ask him what she should do. Have you ever run, to, now, now understand, this was a man of God, have you ever run to God and said, God, what should I do? What, do I, what am I supposed to do now? Anybody been in that place before? She runs to the prophet Elisha to tell him what is going on. He asks her what's in her house. And she says, a small jar of olive oil. That's it. Not enough to pay the debt, not enough to sell it and, and buy anything, not enough to do anything with. It's just a small jar of olive oil. Elisha was asking her what she had right now. Somebody say now. He was asking what she had right now. The definition of now is, let me ask you, uh, 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 Pastor, uh, you are, I, I know, super smart, and, 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 you know, what is now? What does now mean? This moment, at the present time or moment, now. Her little jar of oil was what she had at that moment. Not enough to pay debts, not enough to keep her sons. It looked hopeless. Her now looked hopeless. Her now looked like defeat. Her now looked like it was not enough. Are you with me this morning? I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If you read the scripture, it wasn't enough. And sometimes in our lives, our now doesn't seem like enough. Anybody going to help me this morning? Anybody ever feel like your now is hopeless? It 
your now is a place of defeat, that your now is just not going to be enough. Anybody ever been there before? You might be there now. But then there's the other side of things. And what happened when I start talking about that, people tuned out a little bit because they're like, hey, my now is pretty good. My now I'm living in abundance. My now I'm living in more than enough. My now I'm living in full of hope. My now I'm living in victory. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But I want you to understand this morning, either way, no matter if your now is hopeless and helpless and in defeat, or your now is in victory and full of hope, this message is for both of us. This morning, for both of us. Elisha tells the woman, go around and ask your neighbors for their empty jars. And he said, don't ask for just a few. Now, I, I, when, I, when I read that, I'm going to be honest, when I heard the empty jars, I thought of Paige and Chuck. And then I seen last night where somebody was making salsa, gin. I was like, man, everybody needs extra jars for jams and jellies and salsa and vegetables and all that other stuff. But he says, listen, lady, go around to your neighbors and borrow and ask for their empty jars. And don't ask for just a few. And step one in our now is obedience. Somebody say obedience. Obedience to what God is speaking to us and saying through his word. Obedience. My mom uh, just recently, her and her husband got a, a baby Boston Terrier, I think it's a Boston Terrier, puppy. It's super cute until I guess at 1130 at night it's yelping and screaming. I don't know. It ain't coming to my house. That dog is going to have to learn through time about how to be obedient and how to go outside and how to not make messes and how to sleep. And if you have kids, sometimes that's like training an animal too. And we laugh because we think our kids sometimes are so disobedient and they don't hear what we say and they have selective hearing. And then we start thinking about how God sees us. When he calls us to a place of obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is trust. Obedience is faith. Obedience is trust when it doesn't make sense. Think about this for a moment. And I'm going to say this. This might make you upset. That's all right. We got plenty of points to do that today. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. You say, I don't understand that. Let me give you an example. If the Lord, and, and, I, and I don't know if the Lord would say it, but if the Lord would say, I want you to go and I want you to donate $100 to this foundation or this ministry or whatever, and you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. Hallelujah, bless you. I'm going to do it, Lord. And you go and you donate $50 instead of $100. You are disobedient. 
And I'm going to say this to you this morning. If God cannot have and guide all of your life, he is not a God that will guide only part of your life. He wants all of you. Somebody say all of you. He wants all of you, and he wants us to be obedient. Why is it that we struggle obeying a God that has never, will never, and cannot fail? Let's, let's get this clear this morning. Has God ever failed? Will God ever fail? Can God ever fail? Then why would he break his perfect record on you and I? He wouldn't. God can't. He won't. He absolutely wouldn't. So when, listen, we obey what God is saying, we say with full confidence, I may not understand why, but I'm going to trust in a God that cannot fail. I'm going to have full confidence in obedience. Somebody say obedience. The second thing the prophet says to do is he says, go inside your house after you get the jars, and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. So the first step is obedience. The second step is shutting the door. Why shut the door? Because the more voices, the more confusion. If, you, if you're old enough, and you grew up in a time when I did, there was a show, a movie, More Money, More Problems. And I'm going to say more people, more problems. You can get opinions from everybody and their brother and their mother, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to get different things, and it's going to start causing confusion in your mind. And there's a time when we got to shut the door on some people in our lives because, listen, while we love them and while we want to see them move forward and while we want to see them progress, I'm going to tell you they don't always mean the best for you in your life. you got to shut the door on some people in your lives. You say, well, pastor, I thought you said everybody matters to God, and we love everybody. We do. And I'm not saying we don't love you and love them, and I'm not saying they don't matter to God. But what I'm saying is when you're in a place of your now and you're in a place of hopelessness and you need the time to shut the door and say, listen, I've got to hear from God, so I'm going to shut the door for a moment. Love them. Appreciate them. But you got to shut the door. Not only have to shut the door to some people, but you need to shut the door to the devil. I don't know if you know this or not, but the enemy does not desire you to be successful. The devil doesn't mean you any good. His plans for you are destruction and death. This morning, if I told you, I'm going to give you a chance to get in one of two cars, one or two vehicles, and I tell you that in this vehicle, it is going to be a perfect, smooth, luxurious ride to the place of your favorite destination. And on the other side, this one here is going to be a nice, smooth ride, but it's going to lend you to a place of a big car wreck. How many would choose number one? 
Oh, come on. Some of y'all didn't raise your hands. So that means you're going to choose number two? I don't think so. How many is going to choose number one? Probably choose number one. And I'm going to tell you this morning, some of you are choosing to allow the enemy of your soul into your house and into your phones and into your TVs and into your bedrooms and into your children's room. And I like it, but I'm just telling you, you need to shut the door. I said you need to shut the door. Quit inviting the devil in. Say, well, I don't invite him in. Well, you do when you don't shut the door. Oh, man, you like that one. I can tell. I'm moving on. I can guarantee you this morning that the longer the devil has an open door in your life, the worse your now will become. Oh, there'll be a season. There's a season of sin that is pleasurable to man. But once that season is over, there's destruction. The woman does, as the prophet Elisha said, and her sons brought jar after jar after jar, and she kept pouring from just this little jar of oil that she had until there were no more jars left, empty. Think about it for a moment. The now that Elisha had asked her about, she only had a small jar. And it was a place of not enough. It was a place of defeat. But when she walked in obedience and when she shut the door behind her, her next place after she shut the door and she began to see that it was no longer a place of defeat. It was no longer a place of hopelessness. It was no longer a place of not enough. But it became a place of abundance. It became a place of hope. It became a place of victory. Why? Because she was obedient and she shut the door. This morning I've come to tell you this, that you're now... It's not your next. Hear me. Your now is not your next. Look at your neighbor and say your now is not your next. Time after time in Scripture, God has shown that our now is not our next. Elisha the prophet asked the widow woman what was in her house. Why did, she, why did he ask her? What was in her house? It's because he needed to know if what she currently had in her home was going to be enough to contain her next. Many of us are praying that God would do something in our now, but if he did something in our now, the problem is we wouldn't have enough to handle what God wants to do in our next. We wouldn't have enough jars. It wouldn't test our obedience. It wouldn't see if we have to shut the door behind us. But the woman was obedient. She shut the door, and the oil began to pour and pour and pour and pour. And it didn't stop. And 
This morning, I believe there's some people in this house that have been living in a place of a hopeless now. They've been living on the edge now. They've been living in a defeated now. But God is calling you from your now to your next. But there's just a few things you have to do. First, be obedient. Second, shut the door. And God is about ready to bring oil where it seemed like you didn't have anything. He's about to bring a place of more than enough from just enough. All right, all right. Yeah, go ahead. That's a good time if you want to clap. The only thing that stopped the flow of oil in that house is what they chose to do with their now. She was obedient. They went and gathered jars, as many as they could. That's what they did in their now. And because of what they did in their now, God was able to do in their next what he desired to do. And the only thing this morning that's going to stop your next with what God is trying to do is what you choose to do with your now. Don't be faithful. Don't be committed. Don't be obedient. Don't shut the door. Your next is going to look just like your now. Oh, listen, I'm not going to preach everybody happy today. Because you, listen, you're going to have to make some decisions for your life this morning. I'm not going to tell you that everybody's next is blessed and prosperous. Because that would be foolish to think, right? Why would God honor my obedience and honor your disobedience? He won't. Why would God honor me shutting the door and you allowing the enemy in? He won't. So please don't get me wrong this morning. Not everybody's now is about to be their next, but he's trying to help us understand there's some keys to what we do in the moment, regardless of what our now looks like, to set us up for success for our next. With me this morning. There's some people in this house that have already been obedient. There's some people in this house that have shut the door there's some people in the house that have drowned out the noise. And I'm coming to tell you this morning that your next is going to cause your now to pale in comparison. I'm coming to tell you this morning that the struggle of yesterday is going to become a place of satisfaction that you fought and you were faithful. So now in your next, you can be grateful. Another example this morning. And I won't go as in-depth on this one. This is number two example, our second example. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17, 17 through 16. You can read it if you'd like. I'm going to just paraphrase it. What happened? Prophet Elijah came to town and he said he was going to go. God, God told him to go find a widow woman. And, and he finds this widow woman and he's hungry and he's thirsty. And he asks her for a drink. And then he says, when you get a drink, also bring me some food, bring me a cake or bring me a loaf, depending on the version that you're reading. And the woman looks at Elijah and she says, listen, man, I'm getting these sticks together and I only have a handful of flour in a jar and I have a little oil in a jug and it's enough to make a cake for my son and myself. And what we're going to do, because we don't have any more, is we're going to eat this. And because we don't have anything else to eat, I assume what's going to happen is we're going to eat this and we're going to die. 
her now was a place of not enough. Her now was a place that couldn't sustain her. Her now was a place of hopelessness. When you look at somebody and say, look, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to die, that's not a place of joy. And Elijah, not Elisha this time, Elijah, who was Elisha's mentor, told her to take what she had and go make him a cake, a small loaf. And then bring it to him first. Now, if you read that scripture initially, you're like, that dude's kind of rude. She's going to go, all she has is enough for her and her son. And he says, bring me a cake first. That's kind of rude. But then he says, bring me the cake first, and then you go back to your house, and you make something for you and your son. She did as the prophet said. She was obedient to the word of the Lord. The Bible says the jar of flour that she used did not run empty. The jar of oil, the jug of oil did not run dry. It didn't run dry until the Lord sent rain to bring more provision. Hear me this morning. Her now looked like it was hopeless, but her next looked like it was successful and abundant. Why? Because she was obedient. Are you following me this morning? Her now couldn't sustain her because she was obedient to the Lord. Her next was more than enough. Look at your neighbor. Say, your now is not your next. Look at your other neighbor. Say, your now is not your next. There's many, many more scriptures and examples that demonstrate when we are obedient to the Lord, how our now is not our next. I'm just going to give you one more. And, and, and we're going to, listen, you're going to have spaghetti here in a little bit. Do me a favor. Where, where's Dylan? Get up here on the piano, please. Racing, get ready to come, but not yet. I don't want you to have to be up here for this whole point. But I want him up here for a minute. He needs to do something. I want you to know I'm proud of this dude. I'm so proud of him. I, I, and you say, well, that's because he's your son-in-law. Listen, no, I'm proud of him because of the man of God that he's becoming. That's what I'm proud of. His now is not his next. His now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, go, I'm gonna go, go. Look at your neighbor. Say your now is not your next. <clears throat> the last, the last point that I want to give you is this. There was a man from Galilee by the name of Jesus. And he lived a perfect life. And he found his now being at a place of being beaten, mocked, spit upon, hung up on a cross to die. That was his now. And to everybody else around, it looked like a moment of defeat. It looked like a moment of hopelessness. His now at the cross looked pretty bleak. 
But look at your neighbor. Say, you know this story. Three days later, his next, he had risen from the grave. And he was conquering death, hell, and the grave. I want to tell you this morning, it may seem like some things are dead in your now. But God is bringing resurrection into your next. I I don't know if that's relationships. I don't know if that's sickness. I don't know if that's a family. I'm just telling you this morning that there may be some things that you thought were dead, some dreams that you thought were dead, some desires that God has given you that you thought were dead. This morning, I'm telling you, you may have thought they were dead, and in your now, it seems like it is so unlikely to ever happen. But in your next, there's a place of resurrection that God is about to bring that, breathe, that, that promise. He's about to breathe life on that seed that he sowed a long time ago in your life. This morning, some of you go, but pastor, my now's good. Everything's good. So surely, this message isn't for me. But I want you to hold on for a second. Because the Bible says we go from glory to to glory, to glory. Because this morning, that same man named Jesus from Galilee, he didn't just get up and conquer death, hell, and the grave. You see, his next thing was he ascended to the Father, and he was promoted to the role of priest. And what he's doing today is he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's making intercession for you and I. He is the active priest between us and God the Father. He was prophet here on earth. Now he's preceded at the right hand of God the Father, and he's making intercession for you and I. But look at your neighbor and say, but there's another next. There's another next because, listen, this morning, there's a day that's coming awful soon that he's going to remove himself from the role of priest, and he's going to move from the right hand of God the Father, and he is going to put a crown, many crowns, upon his head, and he is going to be called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His now was on a cross, but I'm telling you, his next is going to be to reign forever and ever and ever. Your next is going to be greater than any now. If you're obedient and if you shut the door on the devil. This morning, look at your neighbor and say your now is not your next. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Some of you are so messed up in your now that you can't even believe that God's got something good for your next. But I'm coming to tell you today the devil's a liar. I'm coming to let you know this morning that he is the father of all lies. And you may feel hopeless today. You may be hurting today. You may be defeated today. You may feel like it's over today, but that's just now. Listen to me. The reason he's trying to mess up your now so much is because he understands that if you can get to your next, that there is abundance. If you can get to your next, 
there's victory. If you can get to your next, there's provision. If you can get to your next, there's healing. Do you hear me this morning? There's a battle that's raging, and it's in your now. He's saying, don't worry about being obedient to what God says. Don't worry about praying. Don't worry about studying your Bible. Don't worry about going to church. Listen to me. Be faithful. Be obedient. Shut the door on the devil so that you can step into your next. Stand all over the house. The praise team will come. I only gave you three examples. I can give you a whole lot more. Whole lot more. Man by the pool. His now, he couldn't walk. His next, he was. Woman with the issue of blood. Her now, she was sick. Her next, she was healed. I can give you more. You want more? We can give you more. More after more after more after more. Listen to me. It is something that God has done time and time and time again. And just like he made oil pour out of a little cruise that couldn't fulfill many jars, if any but one, and it filled many jars. Today, I'm telling you, the same God that did that with a jar of oil is the same God that wants to bring abundance into your next. He's the same God that wants to bring victory into your next. He's the same God that wants to bring joy. Oh my God. That wants to bring joy into your situation. I'm going to be real, 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 real with you. This morning, I was, I was contemplating telling you this. But I'm going to tell you. Because I need you to understand, everybody struggles. Everybody has issues sometimes. And a few weeks ago, we went on vacation, and uh, we, we, I needed to get away. Not that I don't love y'all. I love y'all, but I needed to get away just for a couple days. And I didn't have any plans. And usually I plan everything. I like having a schedule and knowing what I'm doing. I just knew this. I knew that I was going to visit a church that I wanted to go visit. And, uh, and so we drove down Saturday to Chattanooga. Um, and, and we got up that morning and we went to church. And as I was walking in the building... I was checking everything out because that's what pastors do, right? They kind of look around, and it was quarter till. There wasn't very many people in church. I thought, well, that's just like us. And and uh, I was looking at the stage, and I was looking at different things in their foyer. And about five till service, I looked around again, and I thought, well, it's about half full, and that's pretty good. And about 10 after, there's about 1,300 people in there. And I thought, well, that's not quite like us yet. But I, I, I began to watch the praise team, and I began to lift up my hand. And I heard the Lord say this to me. Nobody prompted it. Nobody said it from the stage. Nobody said it in a song. He said, why don't you take your joy back? I thought, man, you must have hit the guy behind me, God. You, I mean... Look, I'm always smiling and joking, cutting up. But I knew 
in me, something had happened to my joy. In my now, something had happened to my joy. He said, why don't you take your joy back? I said, I think I will. Alan says, what's that? Okay, I will right now. And I'm telling you, listen to me. Since, since that Sunday, every morning I've woken up and I feel like the Spirit of God is overflowing on the inside of me. And it's not because my days have been easy. It's not because people haven't been mean and some not very nice. It's none of that. It's because I've made a decision to take my joy back in my now so that in my next I can have enough. This morning I tell you that because here's the thing. Your now may feel like a place of desolation. Your now may feel like a place where there is no joy, where there is no hope, where there is no peace, where there is nothing but defeat. But your now is not your next. I said your now is not your next. Your now is not your next. I don't know this morning what you come for. But I am positive, without a shadow of a doubt, that I was here and am here to deliver this word to you today. I am positive. I'm a hundred thousand percent sure. You say, well, how did God know I was going to be here? I don't know. That's God. He's omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful. What I'm going to tell you this morning is this. This word you can take and you can just say, that was a pretty nice sermon. And man, I'm glad he was short. And that's fine. Or you can take and you can say, listen, I refuse to allow my now to be my next. My next is going to be greater than my now. My next is going to cause my now to pale in comparison. My next is going to cause me. This morning, we're going to, uh, I don't know what you're going to sing. You're going to sing something, though. Sing something. Probably sing the song that I've heard all week. Will you do that? If you, Yeah, sorry, guys. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm simply going to do this. I'm going to count to three. Eyes wide open. Everybody watching, everybody looking, that is perfectly fine this morning. Because here's the deal. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to come and I want you to stand in these altars. And when you stand here, you say, well, pastor, everybody's going to see me. I understand. Because I want everybody to understand that they can see you're a person that's going to be obedient. You're shutting the door on the devil. And they are going to be very clear that your next is not going to be your now. So don't judge me. My God, don't judge me on what it looks like right now because my next is about to be greater than anything that's ever happened in my now. One, two, three. Come on. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything. In the name of Jesus, this is a house of miracles. 
of Jesus come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring.